Hello, and welcome to Landy's Taiwan Diaries. My name is Elia Landman, but most people just call me Landy. Now, you might not believe this, but deep down, I've always wanted to be a farmer. I know I'm a city boy, I grew up on a, 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 in a city and all that, but if you think of it, let's say tomorrow that suddenly all computers in the world break down, the internet stops working, there's no electricity, nothing works, right? Factory stop. What kind of people will be the people who will become so important to the world? Will be farmers, because the farmers will have food and will have milk and whatever. So I think it's a very noble occupation. And that's what we would like to talk about today. It's Taiwan agriculture. Now, Taiwan is not a very big country. Actually, it's a very small country. Even compared to some small countries in Europe, Taiwan is not that huge, right? But I think many people in the world, they know, when you say Taiwan, they know Taiwan. Anyway, people of my age who grew up in the 70s and 80s, we know Taiwan because when we were young and you buy a toy or a chair or something small, you know, and you turn it around, always said made in Taiwan. Kind of like now when you when you buy a, a plastic toy or a gadget and it said made in China. When I was young, it was always made in Taiwan. It wasn't always like that. Taiwan used to be a mainly an agricultural economy. And that's, they grew rice, as you can imagine, right? Now, after World War II, when things changed a lot, many people moved from the farms to the cities in Taiwan. Now, you must remember that this is now mainly an agricultural economy, right? And now suddenly people move away from the land. So lots of land became vacant. The land just was lay there, you know, and nothing was produced on it. And then, as I said, in the 70s and 80s, Taiwan tried to change from an agricultural economy more to a manufacturing economy. And that's why we saw all these little things made in Taiwan all over the world. I remember when I was here for just about 10 months in Taiwan, I went back to London I, because when I came to Taiwan the first time, I had to buy a return ticket because in those days we didn't come to Taiwan with a job already lined up. We, we had to come as a tourist and then you had to show that you have a return ticket. So I had a return ticket to London. I didn't want to lose it. So I believe it was October of, of uh, 1994. I flew back to London and one of my colleagues in the school made me promise to bring her a gift back from London. So I brought back a little key ring with a red London bus. Luckily, just before I gave it to her, I looked at the back and it said, made in Taiwan, but luckily I could take off the sticker. And I said, here you go, I thought about you all the time in London. Anyway, so yeah, it was all made in Taiwan. And, um, but through all this, agriculture continued. But remember I told you that many farms became vacant and what happened unfortunately in the 80s is that as now, Taiwan is now a manufacturing economy, right? So many people had more money than they had before. So people could now buy nicer houses, they could buy nicer cars, and some farmers started selling little parts of their land for huge amounts. And these little parts of their lands were then developed, housing, huge apartment blocks went up, stores went, uh, was built there, huge uh, shopping centers and stuff. And these farmers, even though not, uh, let's say, not, not very, very sophisticated, became really, really rich. I remember once next to my language school was a small convenience store 
And there suddenly a guy stopped in the biggest Mercedes-Benz that you can find in the world. He got out. I, I thought, my goodness, man, you had drive this car, but you look like a construction worker. And he was dressed all in silk. I'm not lying to you. His shirt, his pants, everything was silk. And he had this these very expensive shoes. And he went into the convenience store. And you know, the strangest thing, he bought a huge bag of soap and shampoo. I remember it very distinctly. And I thought, what kind of person are you? But I think it was one of those people, what you call the newly rich, right? Not very educated, not very sophisticated, but a lot of money. So walk around with silk clothes, Mercedes-Benz, and don't even want to go to the supermarket. Just buy your stuff from the convenience store. Anyway, that's a different story. So what happened is they, luckily in the 1990s, the first democratically elected president of Taiwan, Li Denghui, he stopped this. He stopped the farmers selling off their land. He said no more agricultural land can be sold for development, like urban development, buildings and such. So that was a good thing. Now, let me just tell you something. The soil in Taiwan research was done about the soil in Taiwan because farmers are always worried about the quality of the soil, right? It's not that great. It's not bad, but it's not the best in the world. But the reason why Taiwan farmers are very successful is because of their technology. They are very first world. And that is why, in spite of when you think about Taiwan now, you think about semiconductors and computers, right? But there are still many farmers and they are extremely successful. So let's take a look at some of the crops that you can find here in Taiwan. Of course, rice, right? Rice is the most profitable crop in Taiwan because that's what people eat every day. It's their staple food, right? And they actually changed the rice, the kind of rice. The Japanese brought in a different rice when they colonized Taiwan, which wasn't a bad thing. The Taiwan rice is very nice, very soft and sweet. And that's the most profitable uh, now, I cannot possibly tell you about everything, but I do want to tell you about a few things. The second most profitable crop, unfortunately, is called betel nut. Now, many of our foreign listeners might not know what this is. The betel nut is kind of the seed of a kind of palm tree. So what they do with this seed is they, they make a little, they cut it kind of in half, and then they put some paste in there. And they put like 10 of them in a little box. And then they sell it to people. And the people chew this. It's almost like chewing tobacco. It gives you a, little, a bit of a buzz, like long-distance uh, truck drivers. They will chew this to stay awake, you know. And many people, I mean, some taxi drivers also chew that, unfortunately. But it's a, sorry to say, but it's not a very nice habit. Because from time to time you have to spit. And that paste they put in the nut, uh, it's brown. So uh, I've seen these taxi drivers, they have a little cup in their car. And they spit into this cup. And then at some stage at the traffic light, when the traffic light is red, they just open the door and they, they throw it out onto the road. So sometimes you see around the city these blotches of like, it looks almost like blood, you know. And that's where somebody's like, just like ditch their, their spittings, so if, you, if you can say that, of this betel nut. And actually this is not healthy at all. People have done research and it, it causes mouth and lip and tongue cancer. And it's actually more prevalent in the South. The South people, even women, chew it in the South. And whew, that is not a nice thing to see. But anyway, it's much less than it was before. And when it started to go down, the betel nut sellers became very smart. They put up these little booths and they put very, very sexy women inside. Dressed like, almost dressed in underwear to attract the buyers. And then the buyers will stop at these little booths especially if they're along the road and not in the city. And then the, the girl will go out and sell the guy a box of betel nut and even chat happily to the guy. And that's how they kept the sales up. But I must say, 
as the years went on, it has uh, come down a lot. The use of betel nut has come down a lot. And that, that's a good thing because the betel nut farmers, they cut out the natural vegetation on the mountain slopes. They cut it out, they plant these kind of palm trees, right? But these trees cannot hold the soil together. So numerous landslides has happened because of betel nut farms, because the natural vegetation is always better than these betel nut trees, these palm trees that cannot hold the soil together. So that is a crop that's very profitable and unfortunately not very healthy or good for the environment. Now, I don't want to bore you, but I can tell you that we in Taiwan, we have lots of fruits, great fruits. The most important export is bananas. I remember every year at a certain time in the summer, I think, when all the bananas will get ripe at the same time and the price of bananas will just drop like a stone. You can buy like 20 bananas for like nothing and it's wonderful. And in the old days, Taiwan always exported this huge surplus just across the Taiwan Strait to China. But recently, since things are not so happy between Taiwan and China, the banana farmers have had a lot of trouble, but the government has made plans and they have other, they found other export markets. But bananas are, are great. There's custard apples, there's dragon fruit, there's guavas, which for me was interesting. When I came to Taiwan and I drank guava juice for the first time. In South Africa, guava juice is like pink or red. But in Taiwan, it's white. And I never knew that there's a, a banana that can actually be, be white. Recently, also, Taiwan has gotten into coffee, even chocolate. And then another new development is that there are actually some flower farmers. They grow orchids. And America actually changed their laws so that they could import one variety of orchid into America. Uh, and Taiwan was the first country in the world that was allowed to export this kind of orchid. So there's a, there's a huge variety mangoes, papayas, pineapples, anything you can think about, we have here in Taiwan and it's all great. Now, as far as vegetables go, I never knew there were so many vegetables that I didn't know the name of until I came to Taiwan. Here they have a variety of green vegetables that is just unbelievably good to eat. I remember when I was a child, I didn't like vegetables. Now I sometimes go to the restaurant and I eat only vegetables because when they cook it, they cook it so well. I know that one of my favorite dishes is the sweet potato leaves. Now, in South Africa, we eat the sweet potato, throw away the leaves, not in Taiwan. The leaves is actually a dish by itself, which I actually prefer to the sweet potato. I like normal potatoes, you know. But um, also tea, you know, green tea. Taiwan is famous for its green tea. That's also one of the, the very famous crops. So there's all kinds of farmers. And we haven't even talked about livestock, right? As you can imagine, in Chinese food, pork is very popular, right? So our pig farmers, our hog farmers are all over with high quality pork. People love chickens or people love to eat chicken and they love to eat eggs. So there are huge chicken farms. There are a few sheep, but not that many. Actually, there are more goats. So in Taiwan, when you buy mutton at some market, it's often actually not sheep. It's actually goat. But people just call it mutton and they eat it. But it's not very popular in Taiwan. They say it smells very strong. So people here don't like it that much. And milk is expensive. And the reason for that is that we have very few dairy farmers. Because it's a very, very hard job. So most of the milk is, is like imported from New Zealand and, and other countries. So those are some of the things that's going on in the agricultural life in Taiwan. One thing that is unfortunately true is that most of our farmers are old. 
Not many of their sons are interested in taking over the farm. They are more interested in going to work for a computer company. So exactly what is going to happen, we are not sure. What happens now at the moment is when a farmer decides to retire, his son is not interested in farming, he just rents his farm to another farmer who is also old <laughs> and who is someday also going to retire. So I'm not sure if we're going to get mega farms in the future with like one farmer running a huge farm. Because as you imagine, farms in Taiwan, because Taiwan is not so big, it's a little bit different. Like in, in my memory, if you want to go to a farm, you have to leave the town and you have to drive for an hour or two and then you get to the farms, right? But Taiwan is not like that. Sometimes you can even be in a city and you can see little rice paddies all around you. So... Taiwan is more famous for smaller farms, more intensive farms, where you can basically stand on a hill and see the whole farm, not like in America or South Africa where it's huge and you have to drive around in a pickup to see your whole farm. So what's going to happen exactly in the future, we'll have to see. But at the moment, Taiwan's farmers are second to none, working hard, waking up early and doing an honest job, which is one that I will not mind doing if somebody's willing to teach me. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and until next week, goodbye.